This is America on Par, a powerful punch of political punditry and a pithy podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Parr. Thanks for listening and thanks for joining. The world champion women's soccer team, the U.S. women's soccer team, has filed a, a complaint with the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission demanding equal pay for equal play. Basically, they're saying that they should be paid just as much as the men's team for the, the same number of, of practices and games and what, and what have you. Well... There are a lot of topics involved with this dispute, uh, equal pay, women's rights, free markets, monopolies, that, that type of thing, the power of international extra-governmental organizations. There's a lot in this. And the instantaneous reaction across the media, especially the talking heads on TV, is that the women are getting cheated. And certainly when you look at the actual numbers, it doesn't look good for the U.S. Soccer Federation. So... You know, I got, a, I got a call from a friend of mine who's interested in soccer, interested in politics. He wanted to know what I thought about this. So I thought, well, okay, let's, let's get into it. Let's get into it in a podcast. However, before I do that, I, I want you to make sure that you know my biases, where I'm coming from. So let's get my biases out in the open. I love soccer. I've played it since I was four years old. I, I've played for the University of Texas, and I still play today on a co-ed team. And by the way, the women on my current team are better than most of the men on my team. Now, at the University of Texas, I got to look at gender discrimination from the opposite side. Thanks to Title IX, it was the women's team at the University of Texas that had better equipment and better fields and budget and travel. Women got scholarships. The men had to pay money to the team in order to play. The UT men's team has won national championships. The women's team has not. Now, none of that has anything to do with the dispute between the U.S. women's team and the U.S. Soccer Federation. I just want to make sure that you know my biases so that you can make a better judgment about my judgment. I think it's only fair. When I look at the complex issues like this, like like this dispute with women's soccer and U.S. Soccer Federation, I try to run it through a filter. There There are three conservative principles that are really core to me. I believe in equal opportunity. I believe in economic freedom. And I believe in self-determination. Essentially, everyone should have the same chance to use the free market to create their best life possible. And so when I look at problems, I try and say, does it match up with those? Anything that prevents someone from having a fair shot or that artificially manipulates the market or that takes away an individual's liberties is bad. Pretty simple idea. Now, if you look at this dispute, all of those things are out of whack. The U.S. Soccer Federation is a monopoly within the U.S. and associated with FIFA, an international monopoly. That's the opposite of the free market. Women do not have the same opportunities in soccer as men do. Women will not be able to play in the English Premier League or in the Spanish Serie A or in Major League Soccer here in the U.S. That's the nature of professional sports. There are differences between the physical abilities of men and women, and that means there are differences in opportunity for professions that involve extreme physical activity. It's not sexist to say that when it's true. Even Mia Hamm 
arguably the best women's soccer player of all time, said she wasn't good enough to play in the MLS. And that was about a decade ago when the MLS wasn't as good as it is today. So those differences, along with the monopoly that is U.S. soccer and the involvement of labor unions, which are probably necessary to combat the monopoly, all of that reduces an individual's ability to determine his or her own outcome. And that's bad. From a conservative ideological perspective, this is a mess. But as we try and sort out what's right and wrong here, let's at least try and keep those three ideas in mind. Equal opportunity, economic freedom, self-determination. As much as possible. Because the closer we get to those things, the better outcome we're going to find. So let's look at the numbers. The women who play for the U.S. national team receive a base salary of $72,000 per year to play 20 matches. That's $3,600 per game. $3,600. The men do not receive a guaranteed base salary, but do receive $5,000 per game. All right. Now, if the women win their matches, they get a $1,350 bonus. That would put their compensation at $4,950 per game. Less than the men by 50 bucks, even if the men lose. Now, if the men win, their bonus could be an extra $8,166, depending upon who they were playing. So as I said at the top, those numbers don't look good for U.S. soccer at all. But there's some other things to consider here. For one, the women's union negotiated this contract with U.S. soccer, just as the men's union negotiated their contract. The women insisted on a base salary. That's $72,000. So when you're negotiating and you demand security, you can't expect to receive as big of a bonus as those who are willing to take a risk. The men don't have a base salary. The women do. Still, it doesn't seem fair that the women would make less by winning than the men would make by losing. Here's a quote from superstar Alex Morgan on the Today Show. She, she said, Every single day we sacrifice just as much as the men. We work just as much. And she's right. They do work just as hard, maybe even harder. But so what? Your compensation isn't based on how much you do. It's based on how valuable what you do is. I don't think doctors necessarily work harder than teachers, but our society is willing to pay more for someone to save your life than we offer someone to educate your children. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it is. How much you put out isn't what your labor is worth in a free market. It's how much others value what you have done that determines your worth. So yes, the women's team has worked very hard and has won World Cups and won Olympic gold medals, and the men's team hasn't. The men's team didn't even qualify for this summer's Olympics in Brazil. The women's team is favored to win gold again. But in determining value or what you are worth in professional sports, what matters isn't your success on the field as much as your success in getting people to buy tickets to the events, getting advertisers to pay sponsorship money, and the prize money the federation receives for winning tournaments. Those three things combined. Now let's start with attendance. The U.S. Soccer Federation says they expect to make $17.6 million next year from 27 women's team friendly games or exhibition matches. They expect to make $9 million from 12 men's games. That averages out to about $650,000 per women's game 
and about $750,000 per men's game. Based on that number alone, the women should make 86% of what the men make per game. That's the value the women's team generates per game compared to the men per game. But see, that's not the only number to consider here. Advertising dollars present a much bigger difference. During the Women's World Cup last year, commercials were selling for around $211,000 per 30-second spot. The Men's World Cup two years ago, commercials were selling for $465,000 per 30-second spot. Just based on the advertising revenue, the women should expect to make 45% of what the men make. They may work just as hard and have much greater success on the field, but the marketplace says it doesn't have the same level of value to advertisers. Finally, the compensation for winning international competitions. The country that wins the Women's World Cup received a bonus from FIFA of $2 million. Last year, that was the U.S. $2 million. USA, USA. All right, but the country that won the Men's World Cup was given a bonus by FIFA of $35 million. That was Germany. The U.S. actually didn't do well in the last World Cups. We won one game, tied one game, and lost two. Still, the bonus the U.S. received for making it to the round of 16 two summers ago was $9 million. We received a $9 million bonus from FIFA for the men losing, whereas the women winning only got $2 million. Based on bonus money alone, U.S. soccer should pay the women 22% of what it pays the men. Now, part of the reason why U.S. soccer pays the men more to lose than it pays the women to win is that FIFA pays more to U.S. soccer for the men than it does for the women. I'm certainly not defending FIFA. The organization is criminally corrupt. That's why their executives keep getting arrested by Interpol. Sepp Blatter is a sexist, money-grubbing pig. I think it's disgusting that he has been the face of international soccer. And FIFA, an extra-governmental international organization, is most likely undervaluing the women's game. But that is beyond the control of U.S. soccer and the EEOC. So where does that leave us? Well, I believe the women are most likely being paid less than they are genuinely worth. It's hard to be certain because U.S. soccer is a monopoly. It's a necessary monopoly, but it's a monopoly nonetheless. So yes, I do believe that players for the U.S. women's team deserve a raise and probably a substantial raise. But their overall value in the marketplace is going to be lower than the men's team. Based upon the numbers I've seen, a compensation package for the women that is somewhere between half to 80% of what the men make may be reasonable economically. If they really want to maximize what they make, then the women should drop the requirements for a substantial base salary. The less risk they're willing to take personally, the lower the reward they should expect. That is a free market principle. I think the best comment I've seen on all of this comes from Landon Donovan on Twitter. He said, quote, The U.S. women's national team absolutely deserve to be treated fairly in all ways. Important to remember that these issues are slash can be collectively bargained. See, that collective bargaining is currently going on. 
the union is currently negotiating with U.S. soccer over the contract for the next four years. U.S. Soccer Federation has a monopoly on international-level soccer in the U.S., but the Players Union represents a monopoly of international-level soccer labor in the U.S. Again, the Federation is most likely paying the women's team less than they are worth, but demanding equal pay for equal play ignores the economic realities of professional sport. The reasonable answer most likely lies somewhere in between. Well, thanks for listening. If you like these podcasts, please share them with your friends on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to leave a comment, you can always do so on my website, americaonpar.com. I'm Stephen Parr, and I can still see old glory flying over me. See old glory flying over me. In the first light of